Hey everybody, it's officially draft season, and we here at Upside Swings couldn't do what we do without Global Shop Solutions ERP software. Simplify your manufacturing by scheduling a demo at globalshopsolutions.com. Thanks again for listening. Hey everybody, and welcome back to the Upside Swings to be a draft podcast, the podcast of the highest ceiling. I'm your host, Bryce Hendricks, joined always by the great Stone Hansen, the wonderful Cooper Klein, and the next in our series of guests here to talk about the Washington Wizards. I believe this is his third year on. This is, uh, he's three for three. He's a uh, Upside swings lifer at this point, the great Matt Moderno. Um, all of our, all of us were talking about how he's like our favorite Twitter follow. Um, so you know, it's it's uh, very 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 happy to have him back on. He's of course the host of Believe in Wizards, um, one of my favorite team specific podcasts. Uh, it, it, it reminds me a lot of like listening to Believe in Wizards. Like I feel a kinship with Matt because I'm a Mariners fan, and I just mm. there's something about that just consistent wheel of mediocrity having owner that an owner that doesn't want to spend but also doesn't want to like just commit to tanking and, and the process and any of that so I, I Matt you're a good friend I feel your pain on like a fan level how you doing my friend how dare you compare Wizards fandom to rooting for the Mariners at least you got Ken Griffey or Ken Griffey's right didn't you have both at some point I mean we that, did we did have both. anything to be yeah. fair, that was before I was alive. But... Okay, all right. <laughs> Never mind then. All right, then. that's okay. We, uh, my, my Mariner story is always that we won 116 games and were like the best team in baseball. And then I was born in between that season and the season where we then went on a 20-year playoff drought. Um, so I, uh, I, 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 I like to think my, my pain as a Mariner's fan is valid just through that. Um, but no, I, I, uh, I, I at least made the playoffs last year. And we were legitimately competitive. Um, something that cannot be said for the Wizards last season. Matt, just how would you describe how the Wizards year went last year? I think if they had been competing in like 2004, they would have been actually a pretty good Eastern Conference team. Uh, the, the two bigs would have worked well if they were going up against Roy Hibbert and David West. Uh, but otherwise, uh, just not particularly successful in like this sort of I don't know, new, deeper, more competitive Eastern Conference at the very least. It's just, it's not a modern team. I think we're going to go through it, so maybe I won't go too far into it yet. But it just, you look at this, and and my big thing is always like, look at the teams in the playoffs still right now. Other than the one team that's built around a Hall of Fame center, the rest are switchable one through four. They have dynamic wings who can all pass, dribble, shoot. And the Wizards don't really have one that can pass, dribble, shoot, and defend. It's like maybe two out of four at best. So uh, it, it's just not what I like to watch as a basketball fan. So naturally, that's the team I'm stuck watching every night. Yeah, it's uh, I, I watched I watched quite a few Wizards games last year. Um, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, because you you of course are one of my favorite Twitter follows. I've got on your podcast a couple times, so I like to keep up. It was. <laughs> It was not a fun team to watch. Um, I will say that it was a team that I thought, like, if Bradley Beal had played up to his standards, could have at least been, like, a seven seed. Um, but Bradley Beal had a down year last year, which he, is he too was bad. really efficient offensively. He did almost nothing defensively, which is a typical Bradley Beal year. It's the he only played, you know, slightly more than half the season, and it's just really hard to give that much money to a player that you're going to get, I don't know, 58% of the time or whatever the split actually ends up being. 
And, and the playmaking, I think, is still really lacking there as well, which Monte Morris helped cover that. But, you know, Christoph Porzingis had, like, a great year. He was arguably mm-hmm. the fifth or sixth best center in basketball last season um, mm-hmm. behind guys like AD and Sabonis and obviously the two MVP candidates. But, like, he was great. Um, of course, him and Kyle Kuzma are free agents. Uh, there was a new... There was another big change that happened as Tommy Shepard is out the door. They've hired a new GM. Matt, you had a great, I mean, absolutely great podcast where you kind of broke down this new GM and and kind of what he brings in his past. And um, he's sort of known as this like, um, like very organizational, like guys fit together type. And supposedly Mm -hmm. he's going to be given the latitude to tear things down and rebuild and all that. So like, as I'm guessing as a jaded Wizards fan, you're probably a little skeptical. Obviously, Beal has that no trade clause as well. Just what's your general feel for what this new GM heralds? They have actual stuff prepared for what they're going to do promotions-wise when Bradley Beal breaks the scoring record for the franchise, which he will do in the first couple weeks of this season. I'm just, again, you mentioned it, jaded is the right word. I don't think there's any world where he's not on the roster to start the year because like meaningless, ultimately meaningless records like that mean more to them than just like building a competitive team. And no matter how much this new guy wants to do it, I think we start the year off at a minimum with Beal on the roster. The Porzingis one, I think is probably the most likely of the two between he and Kuzma. But honestly, if they both got re-signed, I think that's not the worst thing in the world. You have some value, you know, and them being under long-term deals. I think they're both relatively tradable guys at this point. Like if Porzingis can show he's healthy again for another year, even or half a year, then then suddenly, you know, him on a shorter team-friendly, longer-term deal becomes an asset I think you could do something with, at least more so than than letting him walk or trying to sign and trade him. And, and similarly with Kuzma, a 6'9", 6'10", guy who can dribble and sometimes shoot and sometimes defend and sometimes pass will always hold some amount of appeal, I think. So to me, it's better than letting them walk unless you can get some like haul from a team that, you know, a good team that wants to sign and trade for Kuzma. So I expect both to be back unless uh, I think we really find out how much influence this GM has if, you know, he says like, F it, you know, we can't give $35 million a year to Kuzma or whatever he ends up asking for. If it's, hey, you know, four for 26 a year or something like that, then then maybe that's worth it. And even if you're not sold on him long term, at least then you could flip him down the road. I think that's probably like my most optimistic look at this is that they can get them both on decent enough deals and then try to do something later. I, I, but I imagine at least through the trade deadline next year that all three are probably on the roster, if I had to guess. So I, I don't know. I'll probably end up being wrong and none of them will be there by like February 4th or something like that because I just said that out loud. But I guess we'll see. I, I will say specifically with Porzingis, I would absolutely be hunting a sign and trade. Just I, I think th- this is probably the highest his value is going to get. Like I say, just came off a great year. You, he, he's probably going to, you know, court a, a four-year you know three to four year contract good money there are teams that i still think the allure of a stretch big who can protect the rim like matters we talked we've talked about a couple teams where i brought up Porzingis as like a sign and trade option doing doing during this series because i just think like yeah it is helpful to have a five who can legitimately shoot and protect the rim and you know this team it's not the value add to this team that it would be to a team like the Pelicans or like the Warriors or something like that. So I would hunt a trade there, but 
if not, it's like you said, I think these guys will be tradable. Kuzma specifically, he's just a wing. And like wings are just going to have value. So I, I don't know. I'm interested to see how that goes. I do want to talk briefly about the other parts of this roster because um, it's a mess, but it's kind of a fun mess. Um, I won't we, define, we define fun for everybody listening to this. Well, I think. so they have the, their draft record these past few years are really interesting. I still remember having you on the pod. I, I felt so bad on draft night when Benedict Matherin's name got announced at six. Because when we had him, when we had you on the pod last year, Matt, we talked so long. You and Stone both gushed, I believe, about like how excited you were about Benedict Batherin, how he would be a great fit on the Warriors. And then it doesn't work. They draft Johnny Davis, who I still believe in. I think Johnny Davis is a good player. Um, he just was not the the fit that you wanted. Denny Avdia, Corey Kisper have also been drafted in the last couple of years. Do you think any of those guys are, are, are long for the roster? Do you think any of them are particularly good do you think they could be the starters on the next good wizards team or do you think they're guys who are you know either not that good or soon to be out the door because their their value is just elsewhere in former gm tommy shepherd's first press conference the thing that stood out to me most was he talked about bringing in long athletic wings and bringing in guys who could shoot and they haven't done that at any point in those drafts that's not a thing that they chose to do i I think Rui Hachimura was probably the guy you could most say was athletic and could shoot to some extent. And he really wasn't that functional an athlete for most of his time here and didn't really shoot it until the back half of his tenure. So even that didn't super work out. I wouldn't call Denny Avdia athletic, despite him being a very good defensive guy. I still see him as mostly a one-way guy. And Kispert, not super athletic, more of a shooter. Maybe he becomes passable long-term defensively. I think he made some strides on that end. I mean, we're to the point where like Corey Kispert's cutting is the thing we gush most about as a fan base. It's like, we have so little to look forward to. It's like, wow, he cut and no one threw him the ball because nobody on the team has any court vision, but he did cut through open space. So that's a win. Uh, I think Johnny Davis, you know, there by all accounts, he was injured this year and had some leg stuff still and supposedly some hip and then some back issues. I think for a guy with this kind of marginal-ish athleticism anyway, you can't really afford, you know, to come in behind the eight ball because of injuries. He couldn't work out a ton over the offseason. So he's just really behind the curve. And I think that snowballed over the course of the year. The guy that, you know, at every level has seemingly need to build up his confidence. And the dude that played power forward or center or whatever on his high school team for a lot of it. And now we're asking him to suddenly be an NBA point guard, despite never having done that. So I, it's up to the next guy to see like real roles for them. You know, if Dave, if Dave is like a marginal catch and shoot guy, he'll like defend his ass off. So I think that gets him in a rotation. So to me, they're all just sort of like guys that would be best six through eight in a rotation. And, and none of them really have like super high long-term upside. And, and that's just kind of unfortunately been the mold and and former GM Tommy Shepard said he was basically drafting role players to fit in around the Bradley Beal led core. And when you're picking eight or nine, I don't think the goal should be an eighth man. That's just a personal preference. So um, yeah, we'll see. Fun pieces. That's what I'm saying. Like there, there's a lot of like fine guys. It's just, if you only play one side of the ball, I think your, your upside is kind of limited. Yeah. I definitely think there's that issue with with, with taking, one-way guys for this team and and we've also joked about their uh their their 
desire to take uh, jersey sellers or you know yep. uh, guys who who will maximize overseas markets but heritage night yeah absolutely let's talk about the eighth pick a little bit and before we get into the pick itself and who we're looking at at that area matt do you think there's any chance they look to trade up or down in this draft and if so who might they be targeting oh i hope not i don't know it's just uh, that's another like triggering thing for me. It's something the Wizards fans say every year, like, well, let's just trade down if we don't love who we have at eight, but we'd, we'd find a way to, to mess that up somehow. I don't know. Maybe Michael Winger is different and we'll break that, but um, I'm sort of a, you know, prove it and then I'll believe it kind of person. And the last time the Wizards like traded out of a pick completely, you know, it was them or high, a high pick like this. They traded for Mike Miller and Randy Foy and that uh, ended up being the Steph Curry draft. So, so that didn't work out particularly well for us, but just trading up or down. They talked about it a little bit uh, last year. I want to say with sort of like the, is Dyson Daniels appealing? Apparently they tried to trade up with the bulls to get Denny Avdia at four the first time around. And luckily that didn't work out for them. And then they took him at, uh, you know, took him at nine instead. So I, I don't really see it. I don't think we have a lot to trade up with we're limited with how much uh, how many picks we can trade until this one is off the board and then you know longer term does trading down really help this team that much i think for me personally and i'd love to get your guys perspective obviously i, I listen to the show so i have some sense for for where you guys are on certain dudes but if trading down from eight gets you 16 and 27 or something like to me that's a pretty big drop off and, and i don't think this is a team that that needs like a ton more, you know, depth pieces. It's more about just getting like an actual impact player and a talent infusion. I think you got a much better shot to do that at eight than you would outside the lottery or something, even with two, two later in the first round picks. Yeah. And I'll say if you can't trade up into the top four, I, I don't think it really makes that much of a difference. Like yeah, the, there's a top four in this draft and then there's five through probably 11, I would say. And then after 11, I think there's another huge drop off. Maybe you could argue that like 12 through 15 is like kind of close, but I'm with you. Like you said, 16 and 27, gigantic drop off to me. I think that's like a huge fall off from eight. So let's talk eight. Matt, I know you do a ton of draft work and 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 you recently dropped a board that I thought was really interesting. So let's talk about guys you like here. Uh, we've kind of, we, like we mentioned, that there's a tier from, from five to 11, at least in consensus, that feels pretty set. Who is like your ideal guy at eight out of that group? Just sort of personal philosophy. Like everyone does though, when you're a team like the Wizards and you need talent, you should draft best player available. I just don't believe in best player available as a concept. If you're putting a guy at a position, you're never going to give him actual opportunity at. So on a team like the Wizards, like I wouldn't take a guy that's like purely a two. Uh, because he's just never going to get enough run behind Bradley Beal unless that's your plan is to get rid of him longer term and maybe he kind of sits for a year. I, I don't know. That's why I didn't really like the Johnny Davis pick. Didn't see him as a point guard and I don't think he's going to suddenly beat out Bradley Beal next year. So to me, like if you're not going to get enough opportunity to show that you're the best available, it just, it doesn't really make sense to me. So I, I think ideal fit, this team really lacked from a playmaking perspective um, like a dynamic guard who could kind of get into the teeth of the defense. And Monte Morris, everybody talks about as assist to turnover ratio. It, it's easier to not turn the ball over when you like aren't breaking anybody down or forcing the issue at all, or, or really like 
putting the defense on its heels. And for him, what the NBA kind of like counts as a, not to be like old man shakes fist for a minute, but what counts as an assist anymore is just crazy. Like if I'm Monte Morris and I hand the ball to KP and he backs a guy down and takes six dribbles and then shoots like a turnaround fadeaway from 18 feet and it goes in, did I really create anything for him? So how that's an assist, like that, those were the Monte Morris assists that I saw the most last year where Kyle Kuzma dribbled eight times and then took like a fadeaway three that somehow went in. It's like, oh, Monte really set him up. So I think just somebody that could like step foot in the paint. Uh, it's like, I don't know if you played the game in elementary school, like hot lava. That seemed to be like what the Wizards point guards thought of the paint last year because they were just not willing to step foot in it at any point. And I don't really know at eight who the best guy for that is. Maybe you guys can tell me here. I've been sort of leading the Anthony Black bandwagon. Uh, Case and Wallace maybe can do that. I'm not as high on him personally, uh, just because I, I don't really buy him as a full-time point guard kind of guy. But I don't know. One of those kind of guards, I, I like Nick Smith Jr. a good amount personally. Um yeah, I, I know at least one member of the show here is higher on him than most, but it's it to me, at least I see a world where he can break some people down and like collapse a defense. And, and that's really just, I think what this team needs more than anything. And, and ideally if they can play some point of attack defense, that's a huge win as well, but I'm not going to be picky enough to uh, assume they can do both. So, so maybe that's where Wallace does help. He would just shore up your defense. I don't think DeLon Wright is good enough that you don't draft a person because of that. But to me, that's less of a need, right? So at least a pretty serviceable perimeter defender. Um, and I see Wallace as being like super DeLon Wright. It's like DeLon Wright if DeLon Wright could shoot and dribble. Um, but he, I don't see him as like a point guard point guard, if, if that makes sense. Whereas like Black, I think actually creates for people and, and like Matt's version of the team this team runs on everything and i think black would be sort of your ideal facilitator on like a transition team so that that's kind of the guy i most like if you're gonna like say porzingis is in your long-term plans jaris walker is probably like the best guy in the draft to put next to him and sort of maximize his personal skill set in, in my opinion I don't, i'm not as crazy high about walker with the eighth pick but you know, if, if you're trying to like take this team and kind of plug some holes, I think starting Walker as a rookie next year next to Porzingis is better than starting Daniel Gafford and Porzingis next to each other again for a second year. So I don't know, a couple names. Where, where are you guys, Adam? Do any of those make sense to you all? Well, you, you pointed to Black and Nick Smith Jr. Like those are guys we're all high on. We all like both those guys a lot. We I talked uh like I did, we did like an early draft preview on your podcast and I brought up Nick Smith Jr. And um, if people go back and listen to that and they only watch the tape at Arkansas, they'd probably think we're crazy because yep, exactly. we threw out like some very lofty comparisons. But I still think a lot of those are apt. Like I think he's someone who can break down and break down a defender, get into the paint. He just like looked hurt a lot at Arkansas. The yeah. spacing was really bad. He definitely has some issues with like recognizing when he's created an advantage. Mm -hmm. but at least he's created that advantage and that's kind of step one so I'm, I'm with you on those two names stone is there one who stands out to you as like a guy you'd really like here at eight um i mean i do really like anthony black uh, i think that's a really good one because i i think you have the potential with him to be that sort of you know maybe 
initiator that can really lead your team in a lot of directions. But even in like the worst case scenario for for Black, I, I think that he still provides a ton of value as like a creator type or a connector type um, that, you know, is still going to move the ball really well, play really well, uh, really well on the defensive end, um, can still handle. Like, I think there's a lot of skills that like, even if they never reach their, you know, higher end outcomes is still very valuable to any team. Um, so I would like that pick at eight. And I think the other guy for me that hasn't been mentioned, uh, would be Cam Whitmore. Uh, I know he's somewhat polarizing for people. Some people have him top four like me. Some people don't have him in their top 10. Um, but I think that he is that sort of swing the Wizards might want to take for a, a star. Like, I think that um, Whitmore has that sort of potential to be like a 20-point-per-game scorer plus for multiple years and, and be, you know, still impactful defensively. So if the Wizards want to go more in that direction, for me personally, Whitmore would be, um, you know, in the world where he does fall to eight, which I think – is not completely unlikely. Um, I think the the Wizards in that direction, he'd make a lot of sense as well. I actually left him off stone just because I kind of thought he might be gone by then, but I'm with you. Like he's definitely an upside enough guy that he just sort of makes sense. And like I said, athletic wings who can at least theoretically shoot are something missing from this roster. And like if, I don't know, we, we rave about Corey Kispert's cutting I think Cam Whitmore does all that kind of same stuff and and fills space. And he did that without a real point guard for most of this year uh, at Villanova. So if you can actually get a point guard to play around them too and help take advantage of some of that cutting, I think he would be like a dynamic um, addition to them of just just draft guys who look like they can dunk. I, I think that's not always something that the Wizards have tried to do the last couple of years. So that might be like a fun way to shake it up and just... One last thing I'll throw in here too. Like we're such a like battered, you know, fan base overall that we like multiply every possible draft failure to the most extreme version. So when people who don't like Anthony Black kind of shoot him down as a prospect for the Wizards, like, well, we don't need another non-point guard who can't shoot. Uh, we already took Troy Brown Jr. and we took Denny. And it's like the just like none of those three people are the same to me in, in the way that they play, the way they approach the game, even their physical profile. So, uh, but, but that's like, you know, everything is sort of skies falling for us. And I, I do it too. I'm not like shitting on the rest of our fans. Like there's a reason we're like that, but to me, black is like more of a, a uh, creator than, than either of those guys actually ever had the potential to be. I think that's absolutely fair. We've talked about all but two of that seven person group I mentioned from kind of four to 11 Coop, I'll throw this to you to just kind of talk through, talk us through the last two. How would you feel about a sore Thompson or Taylor Hendricks in Washington? Well, I mean, Azar, I mean, with, uh, with what stone talked about, just like mega athlete could be that star scorer. Uh, you know, you talked at length about just like, Hey, let's get long lanky athletic wings. And that is Azar Thompson. Uh, you know, there's maybe some point guard stuff in there. I don't, I don't know how much I buy it, but people talk about that a lot. Um, you know, I, I think he's nice. I'm the the resident fan of him uh, as compared to my two co-hosts who are haters and evil, but uh, the other guy, Taylor Hendricks. Um, I mean, he's just like six, nine can kind of play the big spot. You, 
could slot him in next to Chris Stapps and have him cover guys that Chris Stapps can't be a weak side rim protector, can really space the floor. And you like you go from, oh, here's Gafford and Chris Stapps with which is like zero spacing. You know, oh, you have the pop five, but then you 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 know, Gafford is just constantly in the paint and there's basically no point in having him leave to Hendricks, who can, you know, pull the, you know, Chris Stapps and Hendricks is probably the best big man shooting duo in the league. I, I don't know who comes close as like a, a starting two. So you can't really go wrong. I, I have a, a feeling he's gonna be gone, maybe just because of how much teams love safe picks, but mm. I, I don't think you can really go wrong with Hendricks. I, I think you just have to get a point guard then, or like a real point guard. Yeah. Uh, even if you get Azar, I think you need a real point guard who can space the floor, can actually create stuff for other people. And like you said, get into the paint and, uh, you know, make other people's lives easier. And I don't think either of those guys do that, but I think that they could, you know, realistically help the other guys be better or be the star that you want for the future. If you take like Hendricks, it's how do you turn Gafford and Monte Morris and a future pick into an actual point guard at that point? And you just say like, meh, it's, a, you know, Hendricks can do all the rim protectory stuff that Gafford does, but he can also dunk and play offensively without falling down. And I think that would just be kind of another upgrade. I think the Bulls would uh would take Monte Morris and uh, someone for a Kobe White sign and trade. Maybe that's uh And probably Gafford. Wow. He, said a, he said a point guard or, or not, uh, yeah. not Kobe White. So I don't, Kobe White was good this year. Anyways, um, go get Lonzo. Uh, yeah. You know, now that he's like about to retire, he seems like a perfect guy for us to go out and trade our remaining assets for. Oh man, uh, poor Lonzo Ball. Um, Matt, is there anyone in this group who you don't like, or would you be at least content with basically any of these seven for the Wizards at eight? I would like literally any of these guys this year more than I liked our pick last year. I didn't even actually dislike Johnny Davis like that much. I think I had him 15 on my own board, but it just like didn't really make sense for me, especially with the point guard of the future language attached to him by both the GM and Woj when it came out. Like that was clearly a thing they were pushing. So any of these guys, I would be happier with this year's draft outcome than last year. I think... I, I like Walker. I like Hendricks at the end of the day. I, I like Wallace too. Like I actually like all those guys. To me, there's just a little bit of cap on upside. So uh, I I personally just think that. I don't know that that's how it'll actually play out and probably won't. One of them will make an all NBA team because I just said that out loud. But for me, I, I, I want the Wizards to take someone who has at least theoretical, the best version of them um is sort of greater than that and and that's just the way i would approach it so you know that they're they're all fine though like i none of these guys would be bad from my perspective yeah there's actually one player who is in that top 11 probably over someone like nick smith who i would i'd be remiss not to mention and that's grady dick uh we talked about jersey sales you want to have a top five jersey sale in the league draft grady dick um i also think he's a damn good player i i have i have grady at i think five on my board just because i think he is probably the best shooter in this class. Uh, I don't think he's like a great ball handler, but I think he is a good off-ball defender. Is he what this team needs? Not really, but I think he is probably like, he could be their starting three tomorrow. Like I think, depending on how you want to structure the rotation. So I think that's, that's someone worth monitoring as well. 
could he beat out Corey Kispert and Denny Avdia as the starting three tomorrow? Yes, I, I totally agree. But the headline, if uh, Grady Dick is drafted by the Wizards at eight, the next morning in the Washington Post is, people die in mass spree of drinking bleach uh, <laughs> because they're so depressed by them taking another white shooter uh, with a top 15 pick. Like that that would that would kill most of this fan base. And, and not everybody, obviously, I, I think, Again, it's the same thing. We're like unable to divorce players from like general stereotypes or archetypes. So it'd be like, what? We took Corey Kispert again? And, and that's just sort of will be everybody's reaction to it um, hmm. again. Yeah, I think that's fair. Both of them are uh, sneaky athletes as well. Let's move on to uh, 42. We'll, we'll do this one separate from 59 and UDFAs because I actually think 42 is like in that last vestiges of potentially real picks. Now, that does not mean that the Wizards will make a real pick. We have seen them take very not real picks in this <laughs> range. Um, I'm bl- Yusuf Sanin uh, is an all time mm. was an all time draft pick. Um, <laughs> I think he actually went 39 if I remember correctly, or 41 or something like that. So, but Matt, assuming your team, you know, they have a new GM. Assuming things get better and, and they make you happy for once, who are some guys you would really really like at 42? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think to me, this is where this draft's going to get weird. And I think there's a lot of guys that are like, te- every team is going to evaluate them really differently. So like 20 to 45 might just literally be like throw a name in a blender and, and the range will, will kind of be all over the place. Um, if like a Marcus Sasser drops, I would personally like wet myself with excitement if we could get a guy like that at, at 42. Uh, just like, He's not a total like shrimp, like he's got decent size. He's dynamic enough. I think that would add some toughness too, like a guard who can defend and shoot. Like what a novel idea that would be to add to the roster. Uh, like if a Julian Strother is still around, could he give you another shooter with some decent size? Uh, you know, I, I don't know if he defends anybody or does really that much else for you, but I think I could buy him as a shooter from day one. Uh Deron Holmes, somebody like that, just to have another big on the bench somewhere. I can't rely on Taj Gibson playing 20 minutes a game again next year. It shouldn't have happened three years ago, let alone on, on this year's team, especially if you're going to start your only other two centers. So so guys like that would be interesting. Uh, again, just sort of like a crapshoot for what a lot of these guys are in terms of range. I, I've been like crazy high on like Jaime Jaquez. So is there a world where he's still around in like the early to mid second round? Maybe. Uh, so that'll sort of be interesting them. Um, I, we did a podcast on our show the other week, sort of focused on all the Arkansas guys. So I sort of talked myself into like a Jordan Walsh wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Just again, having a wing who could actually dunk would be intriguing. Um, so, you know, just a couple of names there, but I'm, I'm very excited to hear if you guys have some thoughts on some names that we should be like praying fall to us at, at um, in the forties. I think there is a, a, you said it best. You're like the, from 20 to, you know, 45, 50, throw it up, put it in a blunder. Like there's very few, you know, there's some guys who I'm like, you know, I'm pretty confident like Chris Murray ends up a first round pick, but I'm not confident that like, someone like a Julian Strother isn't here. Um, mm-hmm. I think he would be really fun. Obviously the Gonzaga connection is there. So, you know, maybe you're not, you're not in love with that, but I think he's really good. I think he's just someone no, who's no, very no, I, I, I like Strother. I actually 
tweeted out earlier in the year, I think there's a world where he's probably a better NBA player than Corey Kispert like two years from now. And I don't think our fan base like that, at least judging by the initial reaction to that one. But I, I would I would happily take him. I think he's a better shooter for whatever that's worth. And people are going to say that's crazy, but he's just smaller. But yeah, no, I think that's I think that's absolutely fair. Um, I this I'll, actually I'll save that one for stone. I'll save that one for stone. Sorry. Um, I would really love you mentioned Arkansas. I'd really love Ricky Council here. Yeah. Um, I think that he is just he's just a guy. Uh, he's someone who I think is just super athletic. Like you mentioned, have a wing who can dunk. Like Ricky Council can really dunk. He is yeah. one of the most he had he had one of the most straight up insane finishing free throw rate seasons I've seen from someone, especially when you consider that he was playing with at most one other shooter at any given time. Uh, I think that's the type of thing that translates. It looks weird. You don't, you don't always watch him and you're you're like, and think like, Oh, like he, he does all these things that are so good, but he's just like, you look at that statistical profile, like as a finisher and it's just insane. He got to the rim all the time. I think this team could desperately use that. Just find a way to fit it in. And then the last guy I'll point to who I would really like here, and this will make Stone mad, but I, I would like Bobby Clintman here. I think that Clintman is not the upside bet that like some will say he is as like a ball handling wing or anything. That's He's not going top, he top 15 guys, so I don't think we even need to talk about him. That's- just Just be ready. That's probably fair. No, uh, he's a he's a rocket after all. So um, no, I'm just kidding. Stop doing uh, this to me. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I I think if he does somehow fall, I think he would be a solid fit here because I think again, getting more guys with legit movement skills on the wing matter. Like you know, Denny Avdia is a very good defender, but he's still slow. Getting someone who is not slow, I think, would be really helpful. Stone, I, 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 there's a couple names I saved for you and for Coop as well. Who are some guys you'd really like here at 42? Hopefully, we're on the same wavelength. I guess we'll find out. The the two names that really stand out to me are guys. You know, I'm a big fan of, and um, Matt, you, you sort of alluded to like just taking big swings, right? And at 42, I think there's a lot of room for that. One of the guys to me would be Terquavion Smith. Um, I think that you just take a guy like I have a lottery on my board and I know that's probably higher than anybody, but um, you, he is someone to me that like you, you throw in as just a guy probably off the bench to start who can just flat out score and get buckets for you. Like I think Turk can just do that for the wizards. Um, and, you know, maybe eventually he ends up taking some sort of starting role. Um, but I think that taking that sort of swing, at 42 is what makes the most sense for the Wizards. Just go for the home run. Go for someone that can, you know, as unlikely as it is to get that at pick 42, at least try. Um, and I think Turk is, it could be that. Uh, the other guy I'll throw out there would be Judah Mintz. Um, I think that he is, again, a, sort of just, especially with the Wizards, I think kind of a long shot to reach his, his potential. But I think that also he is, uh, you talked about the need for a point guard. I think Mintz is a lot more creative than Monty Morris at the very least. Um, and I think that he is someone that you can, maybe he can be that um, starting guard as as weird as it would sound to get at 42, but he's at least another just big swing, right? Like someone that could really pin out in a big way. Um, as much as I like Strother, and I think that he will be like a good NBA player, Um I don't think he has like, you know, the upper end potential of either of those guys. Uh, and for me with the wizards, like just go for that. Try, try and, and get someone that can maybe pull out that, that high end outcome. 
So I, I literally have in my notes here, I wanted to ask you guys about Terquavion because I actually like hate to watch him play basketball personally, just from a aesthetic standpoint. Um, he fills me with rage a lot. And uh, I, I was trying to divorce myself from that where like, this was a guy somebody would have taken in the first round last year. People came into the year talking lottery with him. He wasn't like, like actively worse, I don't think, this year. Like it, it just like he's not cool or trendy and didn't have the same like pre-draft where people like talked themselves into it. So to me, that's a value get. I think he's become so like undervalued at this point where just like it's worth consideration uh, where people are kind of overly dissected him by being around another year. And, and honestly, maybe he was just kind of bored this year too. Like they weren't really that good, but uh, they were a little better. And I know he had to share some my turn, his turn kind of stuff throughout the year. And sometimes guys check out a little bit. So I actually wouldn't hate that. I, like I said, I don't like him that much personally as a player, but I, I'm with you stone on like the what that represents as a pick or like this guy might just be um, too much value to pass on in the 40s. And if you could get a guy that theoretically could have gone 22 last year and he's the same player, like it's probably just at least like worth, um, you know, mulling over before before picking. Yeah, if you're going to gun for somebody, uh, I, I don't have any like extra. I only have like one extra name to throw here, but uh you know, if you want toughness, you want grit, you want to fix that Wizards culture there uh, with a late pick, you can always get Mike Miles, you know, my guy from TCU. Absolute killer, locked down, gritty, never want to compete against that kind of guy. Uh, leaning all into my my uh, my sports announcers, you know, yeah. bag right now. But, yeah, but I mean, he he just fucks. So <laughs> that's, that's the kind of guy you want to take there. The, uh, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, there's a 100% certainty the previous general manager of the Wizards would have picked Mike Miles. He was enamored with under six foot tall point guards. Uh, if Mike Miles can come in and draw a play up on a clipboard, he might have gone lottery for the Wizards, like just, I th which I think he can do, just based on the way he plays. So, um, you know, he uh, we love the, this conditioning test in Washington. It's now legendary. Uh, I think Mike Miles would have done great in that, but. That we would have drafted a small, quick point guard like him who's great in transition and then played at a snail's pace. It would have been amazing and then wondered why he wasn't uh, an instant success. That that would have been like the most Tommy Shepard pick possible. So I actually would like it um, if you're presumably going to just like give him the keys and turn him loose. And he's just at least a different dimension from the guards you have already. So especially if, you know, he's sitting there like 59, man, yeah, you know, let's do it. No, I, I, I like Miles. The last thing I'll throw out here, and this could be a guy at 59. As some of these guys could be, I, I expect 59 to be sort of a fake pick. Got to um, get a cougar in here for us. Let's do I got to talk about Muhammad Gay. Man, do you like Isaiah Todd, but wish he like gave a shit? <laughs> um, that's Muhammad that No, I'm kidding. Uh, uh, no, I... I... <laughs> I didn't hate Isaiah Todd. I, I... But I, I think Gay is like... I struggle to, to really put into words like what i think he actually is as a player because he's mm -hmm. just so weird um and he's been playing weird roles since he was a junior in high school but i think he can probably shoot um he can kind of put the ball on the floor against like fives against fours it's going to be a little worse he can make some reads just like take a bet on that guy like i, I don't know we, we went to high upside and this is a high upside guy in a different way than like a turk or a judah mintz 
but high upside nonetheless and that if gay hits like there's a path for him to be like a starter or, or valuable role player for the right team as like a switchable five or switchable four with size and length some instincts and in help but or, or at the very least uh you know a good motor and help and the ability to uh you know hit some open shots and and put the ball on the ground when needed so that's someone i'll go with there matt is there anyone we can obviously with this last section go really quick but are there any udfas or like guys who you just want to pull I, you're a college basketball guy like me sometimes so anyone you just want to pull completely out of left field or you're like hey i i'd love them on a two-way or even on just the go-go i you know like Jordy Goodwood rules. That was an awesome grab for them. I'm I've I've always loved his game. So like, if there's anyone like in that vein you're really into, let us know. There were two guys I would have been really excited about, and I think they've both in the last week announced they're going back to college just to piss me off. I would have happily taken Kevin McCullough or Ryan Kalkbrenner with this pick and been like really excited about both, just because it, at this point in the draft it makes sense to bet on guys that probably do like one or two things and and only have like so much upside, but you can project them doing that thing pretty well. Uh, the entire Wizards fan base like wants Amani Bates to be one of the Wizards draft picks because they've never actually watched him play, but they saw him on a Slam magazine one time. And it's like, oh, he's six foot nine and he's a knockdown shooter. It's like, well, no. So I actually want us to take him just so people can have to watch him and be like, oh, wait, the shots don't actually go in that much. And they're always the worst possible shot. And he doesn't actually know he can pass to people. Um, all kidding aside here, I, I wouldn't mind a guy like that, um, honestly, like with, with one of these later picks, if someone like that is still around. Again, I have no sense for who will actually end up with like the last 15 picks in this draft. It could be crazy. I'm still a like a Drew Timmy truther. I, I think there's a world where he's like actually a serviceable, you know, eighth man on an NBA team. Uh, just, I, I just will never give up the, the dream that he eventually shoots it. I've never seen a guy that has touch around the basket that doesn't eventually like somehow magically learn how to shoot when they approach 30. So uh, th that would be worth it to me just to give it a try. And again, it would sell some tickets for them for the go-go and not that that's a thing they're particularly interested in, but I, I would just enjoy going to see that. So I don't know any other, any ones that you guys uh, find interesting. I want to shout out Tosan uh, Bulwan here. Um, I just think he's also like, I don't know, like maybe take a big, a good pass. Just like, I, it's always hard in this range because you're, you're right. You never know who's going to fall. You never know how things can go. You can kind of get a little funky with it. Is this, is this a good, like Nicola's uh, jurisdiction range? Like if you want another stash, like, I don't think he's like all that good, honestly, but I that would actually, think he's... that would break wizards fans too, by the way, just so you know, like if, yeah. if they take in quote another Euro and that's like code for a white guy, um, like just people will start to melt I even think. better. This one's already balding. So, um, <laughs> stone, is there, is there anyone who stands out for you guys? Uh, just two uh, names real quick as like scoring swings, I guess just, the the reach is not not even a reach because it's pick fifty nine, but um you know the the uh, hail mary of all hail marys that one of these guys pans out as like a you know twelve to fifteen point per game score off the bench is like Isaiah Wong or Jarkel Joiner, um I think both those guys, you know in the their highest of highs can maybe be that, um <clears throat> and I think like I said earlier just take swings if you're the Wizards keep keep swinging the bat. 
Can I actually ask you guys about one real quick before uh, we let Coop actually weigh in on this one? Sorry, I, it just it's gonna bother me if I don't mention it to you all, and I don't want to forget. Um, I have heard you guys mention this person because I, I listen to the pod. If there's anyone listening to this that's just listening because they like the Wizards and and don't routinely check this out. Can you guys talk about just Omax for a second and what he might look like for the Wizards? I don't know if he's around at 42 or whatever. Uh, how would you guys feel about that kind of pick? I really like Omax. He's he's hard for me to get a handle on because the way he was used at Marquette is not at all the way he's going to be used in the NBA, even to the extent that like he just didn't take shots the way he like he will in the NBA, he was encouraged more to, if he even got a slight closeout, turn it into a post-up or something. Mm-hmm. And like, he did that a lot, but also he played at the tip of that zone and like clearly had the movement skills to do it and to guard on the perimeter. I think that's at least worth a bet. He's, I think he's actually very similar to Bobby Clintman uh, in terms of like what the upside actually is in that it's not like, upside wing in the terms of this guy's going to put it on the ground and he's going to create something it's that he can really really defend on the perimeter probably hit shots and then the handle is good enough to where if he gets a closeout he's not just going to dribble it off his foot like he mm-hmm. can he can take a couple dribbles get into the paint or you know hit one move and go so i actually if omax is at 42 i'd really like that pick i have a sneaking suspicion that omax is going to go in the top 30 um, I, I, I think there's just a couple spots in the back end of that first round that just make too much sense. Um, and I've heard good things about his kind of personality, his workout stuff, but I think he's really fun. I think he'd be worth it. We're going to get to him like on, in like an in-depth breakdown soon enough, but I, I think if the wizards could get him, that'd be a great pick. Coop, is there anyone who stays out to yeah. you as like a, a 59th pick or, or UDFA? I, I do like Omax, like you're talking about. I think he's Bobby, but actually like good at basketball. Um, so I am a big, big fan of his. If I like somebody just kind of random, I know you said that you don't like Euros and like the the, the Wizards fan base would. Yeah. would I'm not saying it. I wouldn't take that person, but it well, people would collectively lose their shit. Yeah, I, I, I don't even know if he's like necessarily a stash just because he's humongous and like can kind of shoot and we're going to talk about him here in a bit, but uh, Tristan Vukcevic, uh, not my favorite player, but he's got like good touch. He can kind of shoot it. Um, like the flashes are, are kind of insane. Like there's moments he's like full court dribbling, stops on a dime, pulls up and looks like Kevin Durant for like half a second there. Um, and like he makes good quick decisions with the ball in his hands. He just can't defend. Um, you know, if you're going to like swing on just like, Hey, give me like the highest possible like crazy outcome. This guy just figures it out all of a sudden. Upside, uh, I I think Vucevic is uh is that kind of guy. Also, his hands are massive, so he can just kind of like do crazy shit, uh, which is always fun. You know, the go go will have some some fun plays happening if they get him. Yeah, I think that's a good crop of names. Matt, let's move on to uh, the the way we like to usually end this is with just kind of an overarching theme, like like best case, worst case, that type of thing. Feel free to be as as pessimistic and optimistic as well. You could definitely pester, you could definitely muster the pessimism. Let's we'll see how how much optimism you can you can uh, bring to the fore. But what's like the worst case scenario for the Wizards this offseason? Uh worst case is. 
for the whole offseason or for just the draft? The whole offseason, but you can discuss that with with the with the idea of like the pick as well, like whoever they pick at eight being bad. I'm really good at worst case because that's usually how it plays out here. So it's also the realist case with the last crew. So hopefully I, I'm actually like super optimistic about the new guy. So uh, Michael Winger. So so hopefully that changes some things. Worst case is like they keep Porzingis on a four year deal, like plus player options and stuff. And then similarly with Kyle Kuzma, they're both going for 30 plus million dollars a year. And I don't know, they make, they somehow find a way to give a lifetime contract to Bradley Beal and a stake in ownership. And he's just a part of my life for forever. And then they draft, I don't know, some, some combo of Grady Dick, uh, Tristan Vucevic and Nikola Jurisic. And then I have to listen to everybody bitch about white guys and Euros being drafted all in the same year. That would be bad. Uh, I think best case is just making some savvy deals and, and going into next year with whatever you can do to maximize as many um, assets as possible, whether that's keeping Porzingis and Kuzma on, you know, flexible deals and then flipping them for other stuff longer term, actually kicking the tires on what a Bradley Beal trade looks like. And he's willing to go somewhere that you can actually recoup some value. I, I think there is a world where like, they've been so good to Beal that maybe he doesn't try to bend them over on his way out of town. And uh, so I think it's not really the off season necessarily, but maybe come trade deadline next year, you know, he's like, Hey, I've got the scoring title. We're not winning. Let's break this thing down and kind of start over. And whether that's you rebuild around Porzingis and some dudes or, or whatever, and he's the one that stays or what that looks like at, it's kind of not that important to me. It's just sort of the mindset, I think, is the thing that would be best case scenario. Like somebody who just approaches things differently than the last two general managers have approached things. Uh, that would give me some real optimism. I, I think just seeing how this draft plays out will, will change some things. The last team I've been really facetious about it this whole pod, but they, they max, they basically prioritized guys that were productive in college and things like that at the expense of like longer term upside and thought they could teach shooting. So just some athletes they could shoot that have some room to grow, I think would show kind of a change in how they go about things. And, and that seems to be kind of what winger supports is at least like reaching for guys a little bit more. So I think that would make me happy. And, um, you know, I would, I would be content with that at the very least. You have three ideal picks at 842 and 59. Uh, ideal picks. Uh, I think if you walk out of there with either Cam Whitmore or Anthony Black, like that's a win draft and you actually have a pretty happy fan base for the most part. And that would be nice for us to have like some collective group hope and optimism. Um, 42 is, is a little tougher to judge. Maybe some athletes. Uh, I, I need to go back and watch Tennessee, even though that's like a self-loathing move to watch Tennessee play basketball. But Everybody sort of loves Julian Phillips. If a guy like that, who's an athletic guy, um, you know, falls to 42 and then magically has all this crazy upside that they didn't tap into, um, you know, when, when he was a five-star recruit coming out of high school or whatever and dominating EYBL and all this good stuff. So maybe a guy like that actually pops for them. That would be huge. And then just somebody like... Finding another guy, whether it's at 59 or whatever, or 57 or whatever our pick actually is, and they have some 
or their undrafted free agent, somebody that actually ends up being like a competent player the way Jordan Goodwin was. That would be super cool. A Kobe Brown or somebody. I, I don't know. We didn't mention him earlier, but like any of these kind of names, um, just one of them turns into like a real contributor. I think that would be um, super cool and interesting for for us as a fan base. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I'm I'm with you lockstep there with a lot of that. Uh, Black, I think would be great. I, I think you mentioned Hawkes at 42 as well earlier. I think that would be a great pick. Like get a couple wings, you know, and, and then I, I think leaving this draft with whoever the best player eight is and then a bet at the wing and then maybe a bet at like another guard who could do something, you know, whether mm-hmm. that be I'm lower on like an Isaiah Wong or Jarkel Joyner than Stone. But, you know, if you could get Mike Miles at 59 or an undrafted free agency, like I think that would be a very, very good all around draft. Matt, we can't thank you enough for, for not only coming on the pod, you know, but for doing it three years straight for putting up with us for putting out some of the best work out there. You're one of our favorite guys to chop it up with and uh, always love, you know, I listen to your pod religiously, even though I uh, I'm about as far away from Washington DC as you could possibly be while still being in the continental United States. Washington, um, Washington connection. Yes, baby. that's uh, that's uh, at some point, at some point I want to get like a, I got to get a Corey Kispert Jersey cause he's from here. Yeah, um, but I also hate Gonzaga. So like, I have to be like, it's, it's kind of a tough decision, but anyways, I, Matt, again, we cannot thank you enough. Go ahead and, and plug yourself and let people know where they can find all your great work. Uh, no, um, I'm going to plug you guys on your own show for a minute. Just if there's anybody listening to this because they saw me tweet it out and they're Wizards fans. If you want more draft content, this is a podcast that you need to be immediately subscribing to. Uh, hopefully, if they've listened to any of the three of you guys on our pod, they're already doing that. Um, and if you're not, shame on you. But uh, yeah, Believe in Wizards podcast, uh, right over at Bolts Forever. So if um, you're a psycho like Bryce and want to listen to a team you're not like longer term invested in, uh, check us out. I'll tell you what, I, um, I've listened to your stuff for a while. Like I listened before we had you on for the first year we did this. Um, and I really got sold when you did, um, like these, these pre-draft interviews for a couple of like kind of lower tier guys. Um, and now I'm, I'm blanking on who they were, which I, which I really regret, but then last year you did like an excellent interview with, um, Jordan Goodwin. And I think that I learned a lot from like your, your interview style. And I just, um, you know, very comfortable humor. One of my favorite Twitter follows Matt is, is legitimately one of the best. Uh, all his stuff will be down below in the description. So you can just go click a link and, and follow and subscribe. And I really do recommend the believe in wizards podcast. I don't necessarily recommend watching the wizards, but, um, <laughs> but I, uh, I, I did that anyway. So uh, yeah, this has been great. For Coop at Ali underscore Oop underscore Coop. For Stone out reporter underscore, underscore Court. I'm at Bryce Hendrick 14. Give us a like, rating, review, all that fun stuff. Check out the website. Got a ton of stuff up on there. Again, appreciate Matt. Go click some links. This has been the Upside Swings NBA Draft Podcast. We hope we are ceiling. Thank you. We'd once again like to thank the people at GlobalShopSolutions.com. Simplify your manufacturing and schedule a demo today at GlobalShopSolutions.com. Thanks again for sponsoring the podcast. Thanks again for listening. We hope we hit our ceiling. Thank you.